podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about dreams a bit. Um, you know, I was saying last night at our first Wednesday gathering uh, on Google Meet that um, I've kind of, over this time, on some level, I think with the podcast specifically, not necessarily with the books, obviously, but kind of avoided the um, more mystical of my experiences and understanding. And I think I've done that for a few reasons. One of them is my own, uh, you know, my thing is that like, if I can, I'm afraid of seeming like a kook. So, you know, I'll pad things a certain way. Or if you're someone who may be on the fence about something, but then again, it's like, if you're listening to this, there's a reason. And you probably want to hear some of the stranger things that have either happened to me or my understanding of it through my experience with various teachers and stuff. After all, that's why you're listening. Um, so yeah, I'm going to talk about dreams. Um, we'll get into that, but before we talk about dreams, go to the infinite spark of um, and click that about button. So you can read a little bit more about me, the infinite spark of being what I uh, have to offer as far as, um, a service to you all. Um, also the Patreon donate button. Uh, there's three Patreon tiers. There's the $1 a month, $5 a month, and the $10 a month tier, which, um, the $10 a month gives you access to the first Wednesday of every month. Google meet online. Last night we met, uh, we did spinal breathing and pranayam. Um, a lot of steps to it, but I think we got through it. It was pretty good. Um, I had a good time. You guys were great. Um, it's fun. Uh, if you do not want to subscribe for the $10 a month, go ahead and you can do PayPal or Venmo and just be sure you get me the right email address so I can send you the link. Okay. Um, oh, the shop. T-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, books. Get it. Uh, it, it helps me out. Okay. So dreams, let's, um, get to reel it back a little bit. Um, I'm going to do my best not to jump around too much, but this is one of those topics where it's like, I'll tell you, there's something I was thinking actually, uh, this morning that maybe I've consumed too much information, uh, that maybe it's like, cause what's been interesting if I was just a Kabbalist and, or whatever, you know, and, and I just, I read from these certain books and I only had these teachers, then I would have probably a more focused opinion on things. But unfortunately or fortunately for you all and myself, I've had a lot of teachers from various traditions and they had various experiences and I've read their books and then some. So my brain has rolling around in it a lot of points of view, which make me difficult at parties. Um, I was listening to a podcast and uh, they were talking about, I don't even want to say what they were talking about because that'll start me talking about it and that could be a three hour situation. Um, and I was like, well, that works if you, you know, think of it from only this point of view, but I've read this book and in this person, if you think about it through the lens of 
Hinduism, and then you you look at look at it through the lens of the Quakers, it's it just got crazy. I'm like, I gotta just shut the fuck up. Um, so let's walk it back to our experience. Awake or asleep is our mind. Uh, that thing that rings in my mind to this day like a bell that Lama Lusan said to me was that you only experience the mind. I said, what is this? He said, this is the mind. You only experience the mind. And it's taken years to really understand that and grasp it fully. But when I say that, that in your dreams, you're experiencing your mind under what some of you with larger floppier hats call plant medicine. Those of you that are my friends that are listening to this that do say plant medicine, I know you're laughing and you get the joke I just made. Um, but you know, the, 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 it, when you're under the influence of that, when you are, uh, it's all mind, right? Whether it's dreams, psychedelic experiences, something that happened to you during Savasana, uh, something that happened to you during a meditation retreat, that is the mind. And when I say that, people almost take offense to it, uh, especially if I'm in front of them. They, you f- I can feel their energy like tighten up. You know, because it's almost as if I just dismissed their experience. And that's a real shame that that you dismiss the mind the way you believe that I'm dismissing your experience. I'm not. Um, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, uh, actually my girlfriend and I were talking about this the other day that I can't just... I got to go to the root and I got to address it from it. I can't just be like, I can't just have a moment. I have to, it's like once you know the truth about something, you can't just like have fun with it anymore. Uh, which gives me a rain man like quality. Some of you are too young to know that reference. Um, I think you call it neurodivergence now. Anyway, so the mind, and the reason I think people tighten up when I say that it is the mind is because they do not understand the spiritual significance of the mind. You poo-poo it all the time, and maybe I'm not doing it any favors by talking about neural pathways and this and that, but again, that, and that, those neural pathways and those, the brain, that's the body, and it's like, oh, well, we're talking about something spiritual. Bitch, this fucking body is spiritual. God damn it. The mind is spiritual. The body is spiritual. This is a spiritual experience. And when you wake up to that, now you've had your spiritual awakening. Now you see. Now you know. But as long as you think that this birth is not precious and that it's materialistic and the material has nothing to do with the spiritual, then I'm sorry, but you're, you're still fucked. Right? Good luck. Um, the mind, and all of this is addressed in the Vedas. And the same podcast that I referred to earlier, I was listening and the guy goes, man, if there was only a book that told you how to be in a human body and, you know, what to do with existence, I'm screaming at my dashboard like, it's called the Bhagavad Gita. It's called the Ramayana. It's called the Katha Upanishad. It's called, it's like, fuck. <laughs> Somebody did write the book. There's hundreds of them, you know? And you're looking at the Bible going, these Ten Commandments don't really help me with anything. It's because the Bible's not the only fucking book 
And, ugh, God. And neither's the power of now. Jesus. I'm tired of hearing about that, too. Um, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm on one, as the kids would say. And we're eight minutes in. Okay. So we have to understand the spiritual significance of the mind because while dreaming, we are experiencing our mind. And our mind is our subtle body. So maybe for this episode, I say the subtle body. When I say subtle body, that's the mind. When I say subtle, you say body. When I say subtle body, you say mind. Okay? The subtle body is the mind. That's what they're talking about in the Vedic literature when they say the subtle body. Because that is this, it's your deep psychological, it's your samskara. And from your samskaras arise all of your karmas. Your samskara being there's psychological stuff, your personality, the way your mind works. And the mind is this holy spiritual thing. The soul carries with it the mind, the subtle body. The soul carries the subtle body with it from birth to birth. The subtle body transmigrates with the soul. You, as something that is interacting with the mind, have all these opinions, and my mind is fucked up, and these thoughts are... The soul doesn't give a shit. The soul doesn't care. Me saying soul right now, like, I'm, I can only address it as a mind, as an organism. At my essence, at my pure whatever, I'm the soul that is inhabiting this body, and, and yada yada. So, understand that the mind is spiritual in nature, right? It is mystical in nature. It is everything. And when we dream, we are experiencing the mind. That does not make it less important. It does not make it less mystical. It does not. It, it, and if you're still tight about that, you're. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to fucking work on that. I don't know, you know, how about you stop reading this new age literature and crack open, you know, something that's been around a minute that all this other shit's based on, you know, just because you can't say Srimad Bhagavatam doesn't mean you shouldn't read the fucking thing, you know, so, or I could just do my job and tell you about it in a podcast, how about that, okay. So your mind is holy, your mind is spiritual, and your mind is, it's a lens with a set of filters in front of it that allow you to experience things. So it's said within Tibetan Buddhism that when you, at night, when you go to sleep, when you dream, you go to the place you, as this, you know, being, uh, go to the place where we go when we die. That to some extent there is this death that happens every evening. Um, also consider this the mind as this thing that is reading three dimensional reality when you are in normal waking consciousness um, you are bombarded with sense data there's touch there, think of all the external data there's sights, there's sounds, there's smells there's you know all of that stuff and then you have everything that your organs are doing the way your lungs are moving what your feet feel like what your hands feel like 
you have this constant stream of sense data that is bombarding your mind and your mind is thinking about it and perceiving it and then it's flipping into this folder and that folder and uh, uh, this this sense data is being perceived this way that triggers this memory and that memory triggers the nerve so it's constant bombardment and that is your spiritual work is learning to navigate this in a more skillful way right you are in the world but doesn't mean you're of the world right that's what Jesus said be in the world but not of the world that you you have to have a foot here and a foot there you don't get to be all spiritual all the time you know, um, it's, and that's something I struggle with. I struggle with like putting down, like, cause sometimes I, I use spiritual bypassing to not have to deal with certain shit in my own life. I do it all the time. The older I get, the more apparent it becomes. Um, so during normal waking consciousness, you are up you're bombarded with data, things to do. You got to go to work. You got to take care of this. You got to take care of that. Then you go to sleep. And now there's no sense data. And now it's like a fucking free-for-all. Um, there's a big truck honking behind me. I'm not sure why. Um, and in case you're wondering, there's a car in front of me that I can't really go past. Um, anyway, so if, if you've ever done like a float tank, right? Like those sensory deprivation tanks, um, that, uh, Lily, John Lily, I believe, well, I fucked up that name. He's John Lily, who was a psychedelic advocate, a psychonaut, a scientist at Harvard. Um, I believe he's a scientist at Harvard, but he developed that. He's also the one that tried to create that house, the one we lived in with a dolphin that they ended up shutting down because she was interacting sexually with the dolphin. Lily's idea was that if you gave the dolphin enough LSD and you took enough LSD, you could talk to each other. (laughs) So he invented the deprivation egg. So if you've ever used one of those, when you are, and you're awake when you're using it, but still there's this very limited sense data. You're floating in that warm water. Your skin's not touching anything other than the water. The water's the same temperature as your body, blah, 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 and it's dark, you know, then you, it's almost this, it's similar to a dream state. Um, I know I mentioned this to somebody, I don't know who it was recently, and they're like, yeah, I like the blue light. I was like, the blue light? And they're talking about how they leave a light. I'm like, nah, we should, yeah, shut the lights out. You got to be in a box in the dark. Um, I mean, if you want the full experience, you got to like, you know, have it. So it is coffin-like. <laughs> I, and I do kind of chicken out and always leave my head near the door, just in case. So, but in that state, you kind of get a, a waking conscious version of what a dream would be because you're in there and suddenly the mind just starts to play tricks on you. It starts to, or I don't know if they're tricks, but it definitely starts talking. So the mind, so what we know about the mind is it doesn't stop. It's always taking, either the subconscious, the conscious mind is always doing something, right? And during waking consciousness, bombarded with sense data, conscious mind is awake and it's telling you about it and it's a whole thing. And then you go to sleep. The mind still goes, you know, it still does things. But then here's this other piece. So that's what I understand about the mind, okay? Now, 
here's the other thing. So today I reached out to a friend. I was like, hey, what should I do a podcast on? And he said, dreams, man. He went to talk about mood and, and, and food and mental health. And I was like, ah, I can't really get into that just yet. Um, but uh, then he mentioned dreams. What's really funny is this morning I woke up early. Um, and uh, girlfriend goes to yoga like five or six or something. And I went back to bed and um, I'm laying there. And I fall back. Well, I was laying on my back. And I was laying in, like, you know, corpse pose. And actually, I was just laying on my back with my hands folded on my chest. Like, literally like a corpse. And then I thought, open your hands, do savasana, and kind of... Thank you. Uh, and and I, the, the word receive came to mind. Open your hands and receive. So, what I have made a habit of over the years is when I feel as though... I'm getting a quote-unquote message, message, thought, whatever you want to call it, I choose to see it as a message. Something about that that I need to add to this. And this is probably important when it comes to all of this. Carl Jung, and and I talk about this in the episode on synchronicities, uh, which is fairly old, so go back and listen to that, but Carl Jung had a very interesting thing he used to say about synchronicities. He mentioned that... um, those of you, by the way, that are watching on YouTube, um, the sun, the way the sun's coming through, when it's got very, like, a foggy um, soap opera look to it. So think of this as days, as days of our lives today, as the world turns. Um, these are the days of our lives. So, um... Carl Jung said when he when he was talking about synchronicities, he said essentially what it, the point he was making was that it was up to the beholder, you know, that you as the person that has the synchronicity, it's up to you what it is, right? Um, I mentioned my synchronicity that pops up a lot for me in that episode, right? And this very much applies to this dream thing. So what he said was that the utility of a door and the utility of a window is in its emptiness. Meaning that a window is a useful window because there's nothing there. Um, A door is a useful door because there's nothing there. It's the ability to be empty. as the ability for something to pass through it. Which is a very interesting thing because uh, within Buddhism, it's and within most things, you know, within the, the to understand from a Vedic place is that nothing, nothing and no one has intrinsic value. It's all empty. Um, and some people regard that from a literal place where you know that famous Albert Einstein quote was it the molecules and atoms, the particles are all empty. So when we talk about matter, it's like essentially. Con- Condensed emptiness. But that, you know, most things don't have meaning, objective meaning to anyone. You know, like there's always, it means different to me than it does you. Like people, especially, I'm driving right now down A1A in South Florida and I'm passing people walking and running and I have no, I don't know, I don't really care about them. I don't fucking know them. 
you know, one of them could burst into flames right now, and they're like, oh, that's fucking weird, and I just keep driving. You know, I may, maybe if I sat and spent time with really somebody's grandpa, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, if my grandfather burst into flames, I'd fuck be like, that's fucking wild. Let's talk about that for a bit. Aren't you going to miss him? Maybe, but he burst into flames. That's crazy. Um, bouncing around, like I said, I wouldn't. Um, so Carl Jung's idea that synchronicities are synchronicities because they're empty. So my synchronicity had to do with light. You know, um, I mentioned uh, my mother having her, uh, we'll just call it a UFO experience that involved light. I've had my experiences with light. Um, so my mom gave me that story. And instead of you're wondering, she called the woman she was with while she told me the story. The woman she was with, it was in the 60s, she was still alive. And I got to listen to them talk about it, which was really wild. It happened to my mom twice. I had um, my own experiences with light as a mass, I guess you could say. Um, And then recently was out at my parents' old house at a birthday party for my dad's friend. And Christy and I are walking around the back of the house and all the lights on the back wall are out. They're turned off and... Yeah, my parents lived there. I know how the lights work. They're all on one switch, that whole wall. The whole wall's turned off. I walk up to the window. That was where my dad's bedroom was and where he died. And I said, this is where my dad died. The light by his window flickers, turns on, flickers, turns off. And she goes, did you see that? And I said, yeah. And then right then it did it again. It was crazy. Light. Light always, it's a scene. Now, it might now all of my experiences, my mother's experiences, and like that might mean nothing to you, but it means something to me. It means something to my consciousness. It means something to my mind. So, and it's not because that was my daddy. It's not. It's not that. It's so in my karma. What am I looking for? like? Karma being your attractions and your aversions. Mystical, paranormal, unexplainable, whatever you want to call it, experiences to me drive me forward and show me that there is more to this life than what they said. And not even from a curiosity place. It's important to me because I do, I am somebody who, who deals with depressive symptoms, we'll just call it that, and often thoughts um, about. Um, the hard reset, we'll say. So it's these experiences serve as a reminder to me there's something else going on here. There is a, a line, um, I believe this is actually from the Srimad Bhagavatam, where uh, they say that Krishna exposed his universal form to increase, um, or does that to increase the hankering in his devotees, like with Arjuna. You know, that he reveals that mystical universal form to, so that you become more interested. So, like, you know, you could say. So that's how I see the mysticals. Like, oh, this is interesting. It draws me more into this life, into this birth, into this three-dimensional reality. Like, oh, well, this is very interesting. Let's stick with this for a while. 
So, now dreams, it's a similar thing. What does it mean to you? Um, so this morning, I woke up, I went back to sleep, I laid there, I heard the message, receive. Open your hands and receive. So I laid in, you know, corpse pose, had my hands open, and I start to sleep. I'm drifting off, and I'm in that hypnagogic, theta wave kind of place. I know I'm not asleep. If you had said my name in the room, I may have heard you, right? That kind of hypnagogic pre-sleep thing. And I could see my mother, full body, feet, top of her head. She was wearing her, this red sweatshirt she'd wear during the holidays. She had her white slacks on and all her gold chains. My mom wore gold like a Spanish sailor or Mr. T, depending on which angle you want. Um, and a lot of gold, big gold earrings, gold chains, gold rings, which made that backhand very fierce as a boy. Um, yes, I'm from the era where you backhanded your child from time to time. Um, and I was getting a message. She, I, and I, I, when I woke up, quote unquote, I typed it all out in a note and it's personal. It's for me. Um, but what's wild is, is my buddy going, yeah, you should talk about dreams. Like, dude, I just had one. And I know here's the thing. I can call it a dream, right? You can call it, well, that was just a dream. You're half in, half out. Yeah, okay. So let's look at it two ways. Either that was the ghost of my mother, the spirit of my mother, my mother on some other plane um, projecting herself into my mind, however you want to look at it. Or it was just my mind producing a dream, producing a state, you know, it doesn't matter. I got the message and I can apply the message and I can use the message and it was nice. The utility of a window is in that there's nothing there. It's useful because it's empty. That feels weird for some of you for me to say that, but that's one of those Buddhist ideas that you start with and they're very, it feels like not fun and dark, but you spend enough time with it where you start to feel the freedom and the, the, the bliss behind that emptiness. It takes time, but whatever it was, I'm just going, I, it's, I just, I know. And what's, what's very strange is in the last three months, my parents have been making themselves known to me. There was a situation with the light. And then one day we were walking down the beach, picking up trash. And I was thinking, I saw, so down here, you'll see like these big clam shells or the classic seashell, right? And, and they've broken and it looks kind of like teeth. And my mom, when I was a little boy, would put them in her mouth and smile at me and it would look like she had these giant teeth. And um, I saw one, started thinking about my mom and then right then there was this big, I don't even know what it's called. I don't know what kind of seed it is. My mom just called it a sea bean. <laughs> my mom also called a moorhen a galanoo. So my mom was not some sort of like expert on nature. Yeah. But 
there was this, and, and I'd never, I had not seen one since I was a little boy. And my mom would pick them up and give them to me at the beach, and she used to keep them and whatever, but I hadn't seen one in fucking, since I was a child. And in that moment, I'm thinking about my mom, and I looked down, I saw it, and I was like, holy shit. And I picked it up, and it was like, now, you can say coincidence. Okay, fine, it's a coincidence. But that coincidence touched my heart and moved me in a way that I really liked. I'll take it. I can't not believe that that was my mom. The odds are too slim. I'm on the beach all the time. I haven't seen these things. So whatever. And it's one of those things, like you don't have to convince people of anything. You have your experience. Keep it. Put it in your heart. It's there. Same thing with your dreams. What you get out of that dream is just what you get out of it. So moving on, there is... uh, so to become a Lama in Tibetan Buddhism, you do a three-year, three-month, three-week, three-day retreat. It's called the three-year retreat. And after that point, you are now a Lama in Tibetan Buddhism. It's a lot more complicated than simply remembering information, reciting it to a professor, and then getting a piece of paper. Like It's a, it's a feat to do it. I've met people that have done three in a row. That's nine years of meditation retreat. And then, and you're in meditation the whole time. You only come out of meditation to do certain rituals and practices, eat, things like that. So it's a big deal. And um, one time uh, I was talking to Lama Losan, and he never really talked much about it, but it was after I got divorced, and I was in the shrine room. It was me and him and one other person, and I started asking questions. I was like, yeah, I was just telling him I got divorced. And he's like, yeah. And then he started telling me about his divorce. That he had gotten served with divorce papers while he was in his first year of, of the three-year retreat. And um, he went to Rinpoche, Kimpokara Rinpoche, and said, can I call her? And Rinpoche's like, no, no. And then he goes, well, can I send her a telegram? He said, no, no. And he said, can I leave and come back? He said, no. No, if you leave this, you leave for good. And he said, what was he supposed to do? He's supposed to just sit. Sit with it. So he did. And it's, it's pretty wild. His uh, ex-wife became a member of our sangha. She became one of the students. But when we were in that, that night, I was talking to him. He was just kind of telling me about that, the three-year retreat. And he said that they sleep these weird hours. I can't remember how long. It's like three hours a night or something. And that there is this quote-unquote dream yoga that gets done. Some people call it Tibetan dream yoga. So you can find books on it if you're interested. But it's the idea that you blur these lines. You learn to uh, interact in your dreams, lucid dreaming. You know, like that kind of thing. And you do it every single night. And as you do it, you learn the nature of the mind. You learn how to, you know, form and shape your own reality. And da, 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 I, you know, not to some like Dr. Strange. Yeah, not to Dr. Strange level, but, you know. Just think about it. Your reality is your mind. How, your, uh, how the external world is presented to you through that lens of the mind, through all of your filters. 
And um, so that's the significance of dreaming in that world, you know, that you work with the dream, that you learn to manipulate the dream and, and all that. You know, when I said earlier that, like, let's say my dream was my mind and that my mother was a thought that I had about my mom. Well, when my mom was in her body, that's also what she was. That body, that human being, that organism, still passed through a set of filters and presented itself as my mom. What else is there? The way I thought about the organism is the way I thought about the mental stimuli that showed up. You know? It's still my mom. That was, is my mom. So, you know, you think about it that these people that you love when they die, you know, I've mentioned this in episodes on grief and loss that, you know, the best thing about my mom and my dad and anyone else I ever lost was not the body, it was something else. That when you close your eyes and you think of them and you see them in front of you and you imagine them in front of you and you think about these times, these memories, you get that warm feeling and it starts in your chest and it spreads out into your shoulders and your arms and you feel it. That's them. That's them. Because if they weren't the body, then you still have access to all of that thing, all of those feelings, all that stuff. You still have access to it. That's them. That's interesting to me. So if that's the case, and that's the way I view it, then I did sit with my mother this morning. I did listen to her. I did get a message from my mother. Because I know what my mom would say. I know how she would say it. I I know everything because I knew her my whole life. What else is there? You know, I need the blood, the bones, the guts to... No, I don't. Doesn't mean my nervous system doesn't still long for whatever, but yeah. So that's dreams. Um, If I left you with more questions than answers, like I tend to do, apparently, um, reach out. Let's talk about it. Don't be afraid to, yeah, but, and what about me? I'll take it. That's the only way we learn. It's the only way. It's, It's in my best interest that you understand what I'm saying, right? My job, if this is a job, is to explain things in a way that you understand them, not to confuse you. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to push on me. I'm not afraid to debate. We can debate. I'm not going to get mad. I mean, you might, but I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm good with that. It's not because I think I'm right. It's because I just, I'm interested in learning more. And I'm interested in setting fire to things and taking them apart and finding out what's real. So. So go to theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, click on the about button, read about me, know that you can book my time. 
Um, also, I will come and speak if you'd like to uh, book something like that. Your yoga school, middle school, whatever. Old folks home. Um, email me and talk about that if you'd like to book some one-on-one time. Holler at me. Um, if you'd like to just send me a DM and say, hello, hi, how you doing? I'll take that too. Um, Patreon. $10 a month tier gets you to the um, Google Meet first Wednesday of every month online. Uh, this uh, Yesterday we did spinal breathing and pranayam. We did ujjayi breath and pulled light up and down our spine last night. So it was fun. All right. I love you. Talk to you later. Bye.